you. I mean, the word scandal is an action or an event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing general public outrage. So the easiest place to find scandals is usually in politics. It's usually in um, famous people um, because the public can be outraged because the public's attention is already turned towards those things or those people Um, And they grab our attention even further by doing something that's either legally or morally wrong or they do something or they're accused of something potentially that that is wrong in those ways. And so there's either like facts and evidence for sure that they're wrong or in the way that our culture loves to do it, there's just allegations of that. And it becomes this scandal where people are then hunting for the truth and they're hunting for what happened. And they're just no pun intended here, but like crucifying the person that's been this has done this alleged act. And so we have this scandal and and news media, they park outside of the homes and they park outside of the businesses and um, they write articles and they put it up on the Internet and they put it on the news and they put it on television. And and, and many of us were kind of enthralled by it. We want to we want to find the truth. But really, there's something that we're drawn to in scandal. And the story of Christmas, whether you've ever thought about it or not, is a scandalous story. And I want us to read today and talk just for a few minutes about one of the characters. We've been looking this entire month at this series called Casting Call, kind of looking at the story of Christmas and the characters that tell us this story. And I want, if you've got your Bibles, for you to flip to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is the beginning of the New Testament, and it begins with the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you see a lot of names, and he begat he, and he brought about these sons and these people, and you see this genealogy broken down there. And then in verse 18, it transitions from giving us this history of the genealogy of Jesus Christ to actually telling us about the birth of Jesus Christ uh, in Matthew chapter 1. And so Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, I want us to read a little piece of this story and kind of walk through this story for the next few minutes today. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to divorce her quietly. Can you blame the guy? I mean, here's this woman that he has, he's engaged to, and in that day and time, an engagement really was on the same level of being married. Now, there, were st- there was still the step of entering into a marriage. We're going to read that actually later in this story. They still had to get married. And there were still the physical acts of the consummation of that marriage that take place in the marriage relationship. But the engagement period, the, the betrothal period, is still a vow that they would enter into. So much so... That we read here that Joseph, because he didn't want to disgrace her, had decided to divorce her or maybe break the engagement, depending on what translation you're reading. But it's the exact same word that we derive divorce from. And so he would have had to go through a legal proceeding to break the vow of engagement. Now, that's not really how it works today. For most of us, engagement is, you know... Will you marry me? Here's a ring. Um, Yes, I'll marry you. And then it's like, oh my gosh, what have we gotten into? And how are we going to afford this? And what were we thinking? Let's just run away, right? That's kind of how it works today. But in this day and time, it was a very sacred vow that they entered into together. And for them to break off the engagement, it couldn't just be, hey, I'm giving you the ring back. Hey, I don't want to get married to you anymore. Hey, you're standing at the end of the aisle. I'm just going to not show up and leave the church. They had to actually enter into a legal proceeding to break that just as they would if they were already married. 
And so Joseph is engaged to Mary. And then he gets word. We don't hear necessarily in this moment, in this uh, reading of the story, we don't hear if he heard it from somebody else. We don't know if Mary actually told him. But Joseph gets word that the woman that he's engaged to, that he knows that he has not had any physical relationship with, she's now pregnant. And so she's pregnant, and he's left wondering, how did this come to be? Because it's surely not mine. And so Mary sends this news or he gets this news or Mary actually specifically tells him what's happened here. And, and then in this reading, we see the, the author, Matthew, he's, he tells us what had happened. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are led to believe that potentially Joseph even knew that or understood that. We know that Joseph maybe had been given that detail of the story and yet he had chosen Not to disgrace her publicly, but to end the engagement. And I can't blame the guy. Because in this day and time, it's a different culture than you and I live. This would have been equal to the most scandalous thing that could have happened. If you read even through the scriptures, some of the most ostracized characters in scripture were those who were guilty of some type of public, you know, making public the known uh, idea of sexual sin. And so the idea that Mary and Joseph are engaged and Mary shows up pregnant says one of two things. Mary has cheated on Joseph but been unfaithful to the law. Or Mary and Joseph have done something that's against the law together. And now she's pregnant. And so in that moment, Joseph has to decide. Do I want my name drugged through the mud here? Do I want my name to be kind of brought into this story of scandal? Do I want to be a part of whatever's going on with Mary? And he's chosen to divorce her but do it quietly. Instead of going to the judge, to the magistrate, and and reading aloud the letter of why he is going to divorce her, Instead of having two or three witnesses there among the public court in the public hearing of that day with potentially dozens or even hundreds of people standing there in the open court and hearing what what he's accusing Mary of. Instead of doing that, he's going to do it privately. So he's going to do it maybe what you've read potentially in Matthew 18 or something. But it was the legal proceeding of that where he gets two or three people together and takes those two or three people privately to Mary, addresses the issue with her, reads aloud the letter of divorce. He signs it and hands it to her. That's what he's intending to do. And I can't blame the guy because he's decided that this is the way he wants to do it. He's going to divorce her because he doesn't want to be a part of the scandal, but he doesn't want to to shame her or disgrace her. He could have had her stoned. He had every right to have her killed because of what she had done in breaking the law. But sometimes being right isn't enough. There are actually times when being right is actually wrong. Because Joseph had the right to have her put to death. He had the right to have her stoned. He had the right to divorce her. But in doing so, he would have been wrong. I want us to read a little more of the famous passage of the Christmas story. This may be what your grandfather or grandmother or a mom or a dad or someone read on Christmas morning for you. This is found in Luke chapter 2. I want us to read the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2 and really look at maybe a little more familiar passage related to what happened to Mary and Joseph in the early days there. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now, just to stop right here, back in Matthew chapter 1, we saw that lineage pass through King David. uh, Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Now, if you take the two passages that we just read and lay them over top of one another, what Luke leaves out is this entire thing that Joseph is wrestling with. Right? So we've just jumped into the story where Joseph has decided to stay with her and he takes her to Bethlehem because that's where he's got to go for the census. And Mary joins him. Now, she joined him for one, or, one of two or three reasons, but probably because she knew and he knew that it was time for her to give birth and he has to go on this journey and he didn't want to be separated from her. And so he decides to bring her along for the census. But here's what I love when I read scripture. If I'm able, and I'm not always able to do it, if I'm able to connect the dots. Think about this. Joseph took Mary to Bethlehem. And while they were there, Mary had Jesus in Bethlehem. That's important. It's important because in the Old Testament, those people were told that the Savior of the world would be born in Bethlehem. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, there is a prophecy about Bethlehem being this small people, this small place, but out of them would come the Savior of the world. So, jump back to Matthew chapter 1, and let's suppose, let's just play the story out, where Joseph decides he's going to divorce Mary. I've never thought about this until this week. Joseph decides he's going to divorce Mary. He does it quietly, he doesn't disgrace her. And Caesar Augustus calls for a census and Joseph goes to Bethlehem and Mary stays behind. And she gives birth to her firstborn, a son, but not in the city of David. It changes the entire story. This character, Joseph, who I kind of thought was just a throw in, who I kind of thought he's not the real earthly father. And so he's not really a central character in this piece. Actually, he helps to fulfill the prophecy from Micah chapter 5 because he stayed with Mary. He chose to enter into the scandal. Now, why would he do that? Let's jump back to Matthew chapter 1. Joseph has already decided what he's going to do. And then an angel appears to him in a dream. As he considered this, as he considered the divorce that he had already determined he was going to do, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, we don't have any record here of how often Joseph had dreams. A different Joseph in the Old Testament had dreams a lot, but that's a really funny thing that you just missed right there. But in the New Testament, we don't know how many dreams this Joseph had. We don't know how many times angels appeared to him. We have no clue. But in this moment, when Joseph's already decided what he's going to do, an angel appears to him in a dream one night and confirms the things that he's already heard from Mary. Listen, your fiance is pregnant, but that child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so you still need to marry her. Because what you don't understand, Joseph, is that you need to take her to Bethlehem when they call for the census. And she's going to have a baby while you're there. And it's going to fulfill the prophecy 
in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. That's, that's understated there. It's not explicitly mentioned, but when you and I put the story together, we see that the angel was saying to Joseph, don't be afraid to step into the scandal. Don't be afraid to get into the mess. Don't be afraid to associate yourself with someone that others may push away. So the angel says to Joseph, take her as your wife. Take her as your wife. And then this is what Joseph does in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Now this has nothing to do with anything today. Except that the last sentence I just read to you is really powerful to me. And Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph got to name the Son of God on earth. Now yeah, the angel told him what to name him. I get that. But the name of Jesus is something pretty powerful. The name of Jesus is something that you and I call on in times of need. The name of Jesus is something we sing about. The name of Jesus is the name above every name, according to what we believe and what we sing from time to time and what's found in the word of God. And so all of that on earth started with Joseph. The child was born, and he looks down at his son, and he says, we'll call him Jesus. That's powerful to me. That's powerful to me. But it's kind of an afterthought here, after the dream, that Joseph would just jump in, and he woke up, and he did what the angel commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But listen, I've had a lot of dreams. I can't really say that I, I know that I've ever seen an angel and that angel has spoken to me clearly and it redirected the course of my life in the way that it's written here. But I've had a lot of dreams. More so than me having dreams, my wife has a lot of dreams. And I've gotten her permission to say this today because sometimes she has dreams and she wakes up mad at me for something I didn't do. She just dreamed about it. Like she just dreamed that in the dream... I did something to upset her and she wakes up and she's mad at me for several hours. And I just was asleep. I don't even know what I did. I went to sleep. I thought we were good. Love you. Right. Snoo snoozing, sleeping. I wake up and hell hath no fury. I, I don't even know what I did. Right. But here, here's, here's the problem. We... We don't even think about the fact that Joseph still has a choice after he wakes up from the dream. Right? He still has a choice. Yes, the angel spoke to him in the dream. But he still has a choice. Do I listen to the words of the angel? Do I change directions? Do I change what I've already decided to do? Do I not divorce her? Do I take her as my wife? Because even in doing that, he's breaking the law. Like up to this point, he's been guilt free. Up to this point, he's been a stand-up guy. But at this moment, if he chooses to do what the angel stated in the dream, he's now guilty of the law. Why? Because what they were supposed to do was be engaged, be vowed to one another for one year, have no physical relationship within that one-year period, and then get married. But what Joseph does is he wakes up, 
And he does as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife immediately. He violates the custom of the day, that law of that day, by not waiting the one year. And he takes her into his home. He does not consummate the marriage until after the child is born. But he takes her into his home as his wife. And he cares for her and he provides for her. He steps into the scandal. Now, here's the thing. I think people are the same, both then and now. I think there are cultural differences, perhaps. I think there are things that maybe we've been exposed to or we have knowledge of that maybe they didn't. But here's how I envision it going down. Joseph wakes up from the dream, brings Mary into his house as his wife, and they're living at 123 Sycamore Street right there in town. And everybody that walks by that house says, see what happened? You know what's going on, right? They're covering it up. They they don't want anybody to know. And so they've just decided they're so in love (laughs) that they're just going to get married now. (laughs) Right? Yeah. You just wait till she comes out in a couple of weeks, a couple months. Everybody knows. That house is a scandalous house. Right? I think that's what would have happened. I think Mary goes to the market to get fruits and veggies. Right? And on her way back home, she passes some ladies who are going to the market. And those ladies do what some of our ladies do. Hey, Mary, how you doing? And they get passionate. They're like, can you believe? Right? That was pretty strong acting right there. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. I'm convinced people then are like people now. And I think that there were probably some men in that town that looked at Joseph In a totally different way now. There probably were friends of theirs who even heard the story. Oh, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Oh, isn't that convenient? Oh, that's great. Good for you guys. Awesome. Right? And then they get in their little buggy or whatever they drove back to their house. And the wife in that car says, that is such a lie. Or the husband says, can you believe that's what they're telling people? I mean, just come clean. Come on. Joseph stepped into a scandal. But by doing so, he got to name Jesus. He got to be a part of the story of God. Interestingly, before he named the child, I don't know if you caught this when we were reading verse 24. It says that he didn't have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Until her son was born. Obviously, this is not his son. He gets to raise this child on earth. And I don't know if Jesus, as a child, is anything like my children. I kind of think maybe not. But maybe Jesus, if he knows the story, looks at Joseph when Joseph says, Hey, go clean your room. You're not my dad. Right? I, I don't know if he does that. I'm not really sure. And maybe if that happened ever in the back of Joseph's mind, he's like, Why did I not divorce her? No, right? I don't know. I don't know if that's what happened. 
I think because of what we see about Joseph's character throughout the story, he probably wouldn't have done that anyway. Because he heard the words of God through the angel in a dream. And instead of shunning her, instead of pushing her away, he brings her into his home. He marries her. And yet he still stays faithful, even in that, until after her son is born. And there were some interesting things to me when I read through this story. When I kind of take Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1 and Micah chapter 5. When I read through the rest of the gospel accounts. No matter how small or how large of the birth of Jesus or the origins of Jesus or who he was. Who he would become. I was confronted this week with this character Joseph. I mean, our title, our working title for several months as we were leading up to this series for today was The Faithful. That's who we were really calling Joseph, was The Faithful. But really, I think more than anything, and and, and you may disagree with this, and if you know the story, maybe you would even take this new title I'm about to give and put it on Mary. But I don't know that a better title might, might not be The Obedient. Because Joseph was obedient He had already decided what he was going to do. He was going to divorce her and he was going to do it in a really stand-up way. But because of the words of God, he didn't. He obeyed God even though it didn't really make sense within the culture that they lived. But here's this interesting idea to me. I've seen this true in my own life and I'm sure you have too. Godly obedience often doesn't make worldly sense. Godly obedience doesn't often make worldly sense. What I mean by that is there may come a time, if it hasn't already, that obeying God requires you to go against the things that others feel makes sense. I'm not talking about lack of wisdom here. I'm not talking about just going out and doing whatever and just kind of following every word and everything and every thought that you have. But I'm saying when you truly believe you've heard from God, obeying that might not make sense to some of the people that you have in your life. I think Joseph was definitely faithful, but I think Joseph, more than that, was obedient. He was obedient to God. He got to be a part of the story of a woman and her son, who he named Jesus. And we sing about Jesus and we pray to Jesus. We worship the Son of God. And Joseph got to be a part of that through nothing he did except obedience. And so I have a couple questions today as we kind of wrap this up. What might God do through you? If you just chose to obey. Like what is it that God. May be writing in the world. The story that he's kind of bringing about. What is it that he might be doing. That you could be a part of. If you would pay less attention to all of them. And more attention to him. Are you willing to be scandalized. For your obedience. 
I mean, there is this Western culture ideology that says that if I choose Jesus, it's all going to be good. I'm going to be blessed, which means rich, which means nothing bad will ever happen to me, which means everyone will look at me and I'll have a good reputation. And that sounds awesome, except that the Bible gets in the way of that. It's not in the scriptures. Because many of the people that chose to follow God wholeheartedly, they were scandalized. They found themselves in the midst of a scandal because of their obedience. I mean, we read read in the New Testament that they found themselves in prison because they obeyed. Some were beheaded, killed, persecuted in some way because they obeyed. And I think for most of us, our problem, our issue, and I'll start with me, is that sometimes I'm more worried about the them than him. My obedience first has to be filtered through what will they think? How will they respond What will so-and-so say when I tell them? But Joseph woke from the dream and did as the angel had said. And he took Mary, this pregnant virgin fiancé, into his home to be his wife. And he took her to Bethlehem. She gave birth to her firstborn son. And he named him Jesus. I want to be a part of a story. That my obedience gets me in position. To be scandalized. But to play a small part in his story. So my challenge today for every single one of us as we look at Christmas, as we're in this Christmas season, is will you obey? Will you obey? And here's what I believe. I believe that you have to be willing to say yes no matter what he asks. Will you obey? Sometimes being right is wrong. Sometimes. They think it's right, but it's wrong. Will you obey? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you for the presentation we've seen from these incredible kids. The the incredible signs of Christmas, the story of Christmas. God, you have a story that you wrote. You're still writing that story. As we look at it today, we see this character, Joseph. He seems like a throw in sometimes when we read the story. But God, he played a really vital part. And as I read this story, Lord, I want to be like him.
I want to be obedient. I want to be faithful. I don't want my obedience to be based on what I fear those around me will think. I want my obedience only to be found in you. And so God, I pray for every single person in this place that we would trust you more. God, we would be obedient because we know you're trustworthy. And if you're asking us to do it, if you're asking us to obey that God, you don't mean us harm. That even if we're scorned, even if we're shunned, even if there's scandal here on earth, it is for a greater purpose. And we're obeying the Father. We're obeying the author of this story. And so God, for every one of us, help us to be obedient today. As we leave this place, let us be more and more obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.